Welcome, everyone, to another episode of 451 Degrees. I'm Alex Maselli, also known as Alex Fall Trades. So let's get started. First off, our censorship quote. Who is more to be pitied, a writer bound and gagged by policemen or one living in perfect freedom who has nothing more to say? Last episode's quote was by Harry S. Truman. Uh, so let's talk about the past two weeks in censorship. On Twitter, Joseph Ladapo, sorry, (laughs) I'm going to butcher people's names, Uh, Surgeon General of Florida is calling out Twitter for censoring information they don't like, calling it almost criminal. Ladapo, like an absolute baller, believes that people have the right to make decisions about themselves and that information to let them make those decisions shouldn't be blocked by big tech. Pamela Paresky, a psychology academic, has also been banned from Twitter because she pointed out how much self-harm glorification there is on the platform for violating their policy on gratuitous gore, which she found on their platform by searching for common self-harm terms and didn't and they didn't ban the users from whom she got the gratuitous gore. The irony. Uh, Asim, Ma- now this now we're talking about Facebook. So Mas- Asim Malhorta, a British cardiologist, was locked out of Facebook for sharing the report that got Latipo banned on Twitter. Malhorta came right out and said that Facebook is an enemy of democracy. This calls to mind the recent claims on mainstream media that misinformation was an extremely serious threat to democracy. I can't tell you who said that specifically, because too many anchors used those exact words on national, regional, and local news stations. Just goes to show that confession through projection is definitely cemented. In other Facebook news, a California court has dismissed John Stossel's lawsuit against Facebook and the site's fact checkers by saying that they aren't stating what is and is not a fact, despite the actual fact that most people believe that is what those kind of labels are doing. Fucking lawyers. Instagram is turning on their hidden words feature for all creators. And for once, the feature is aptly named because no one knows what the hidden words that are being censored are. They're also expanding the frequency of warnings on content they don't like. Now let's talk about TikTok. The video social media site blocked all search results for the words White Lives Matter after Kanye set the internet on fire by wearing a shirt that said so. The search result kickback text that read, this phrase may be associated with hateful behavior. TikTok is committed to keeping our community safe and working to prevent the spread of hate. This meant that videos containing ridicule of Kanye and his spicy shirt also were not searchable by the term. Other big tech news, in a move that is not at all surprising to anyone with a brain, PayPal is still going to fine people for speech they don't like. They also were trying to stop people from closing their accounts because they got butt hurt over too many customers leaving their service for their censorous attitude. And you can see my previous video, a 
which was about unsafe uh, uh, PayPal and what they were doing. But the payment processing company may have landed themselves in deep shit because the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is considering an investigation into the company. Hilariously, this government agency was proposed by Elizabeth Warren, who may not have a problem with the company finding customers for information she doesn't like. PayPal also ended the account of the weed of social Democrats in Hong Kong, which just just goes to show that most of these big tech companies will bend over backwards for the CCP while claiming they support democracy and freedom shaped by their hands in Western nations. And also, Truth Social is actually gaining ground on the Google Play Store, having hit number the number one spot for most down- downloaded app. But this also comes with the platform agreeing to censor what Google considers incitement to violence. I'm still not sure what those words mean because, of course, they're vague by design. Odyssey has blocked Russia today in French because of a legal order from France, which would mean something if VPNs didn't exist. J.P. Morgan Chase has closed the account of the National Committee for Religious Freedom without reason. The letter the bank sent came after the account was closed because, you know, snail mail is not called that for nothing. A survey from the Susquehanna Polling and Research from Susquehanna Polling and Research. Sorry, that's a that's a mouthful. Uh, shows that most people do not support censorship on social media platforms in relation to elections because it turns out common sense is actually common. That's good news. More good news. A survey funded by the New York Times showed that a majority of Democrats, independents, and Republicans all found that media poses some threat to democracy. I think we might be winning. Now on to the government and their censorship. More and more people and offices have been named in the lawsuit against the big tech censorship collusion lawsuit. Um, sorry, that was a bit repetitive. Against the Biden administration, giving us a total of 67 First Amendment violators. Here's hoping they get what they deserve. In court, of course. Uh, Fauci is to be deposed for his part in the censorship, but he should be tried for crimes against humanity as well. And for those of you who watched our book club on the real Anthony Fauci, you probably know why. A judge has blocked the Texas social media free speech law until the the Supreme Court can make a ruling, giving social media a stay of execution for their moderation programs. Keith is giving me the pronunciation for Susquehanna, with Hannah as the first name, River in Maryland. Ah, okay. Thank you, Keith. Um, New York State wants to ban videos that show violent crime because most of them come from New York City at this point, and they're tired of the bad press. After all, they have to protect that brand. This would, by the way, be a violation of the First Amendment in News that surprises no one. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, him again, wants to shred Section 230 so that he can enact something more controlled by the government over big tech, allowing them to violate the First Amendment. Unsurprising. My brand. (laughs) Stevie J says, my brand. 
Wallace Williams says brand aid. Yes, uh, Eric's brand, Mayor Eric's brand in New York City is under attack. Although it was under attack before he was even mayor. Now let's talk about the main topic. Let's talk about fire. You can't shout fire in a crowded theater. We've all heard that phrase. We've heard it a lot recently. I heard it in 2020 leading up to the election. We're hearing it a lot leading up to the midterm elections next month. It means that you can't use your free speech rights to cause a panic. But who said it? That's from the Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr. in his opinion in the 1919 case Schneck versus United States. Charles T. Schneck and Elizabeth Baer were handing out flyers to draft age men, urging them to resist the draft. They were charged with violating the 1917 Espionage Act, and the unanimous decision drafted by Holmes stated that their First Amendment rights did not protect them from prosecution. The decision was based on the consequential circumstances, not first principles. The argument being that, quote, the words used are used in such circumstance, that's the war, and are of such a nature as to create a clear and present danger that they will bring about the substantive evils that Congress has a right to prevent, end quote. Young men protesting the draft for a war that takes place on entirely foreign soil is a major stretch for the words clear and present danger. And it's clear to me that this decision was made in the self-interest of the federal government and their ability to aid their allies against the will of some young men. The opinion by Holmes even expressly stated that the flyers were fine, not in times of war. Major eye roll because war or any other emergency does not end our right to freedom of speech. But what is the actual phrase Holmes used that gets bandied about so often in recent election years? Quote, the most stringent protection of free speech would not protect a man falsely shouting fire in a theater and causing a panic, end quote. That's the actual wording Holmes used. Notice the key difference here between what he said and what we hear so often today, the qualifier of falsely. I'm not a big fan of adverbs myself, but that one is particularly important and should not be discounted. This means that even under this opinion by Holmes, it would have to be proven that the person inciting a panic did so without truth and fact behind their statements. If they believe there is cause for panic, maybe they should be shouting fire. But here's the thing, it's an analogy. With an actual fire in an actual theater, even a small one, um, that may be easy to prove or disprove there was a fire. But what about more esoteric situations? In the Schneck case, I find it difficult to prove that Schneck and Bear were causing a panic by telling young men to resist the draft. The danger they cited was real. Men who were drafted did die in World War I, so they weren't lying nor incorrect. More than 100,000 American men died in that war. And while that was less than European nations lost, it wasn't nothing. So in that specific instance from which we get this analogy, I can't even see that it applies accurately. 50 years later, 
the Supreme Court found a new opinion that would affect the application of Holmes' opinion on constitutional law. In 1969, Brandenburg v. Ohio was decided. Clarence Brandenburg was a KKK leader who invited a reporter to a rally. The rally was filmed, and several of the speeches involved segregating rhetoric and calls to expel minors from the minorities from the country and to march to various federal buildings. Ohio charged Brandenburg with violating a 1919 statute that made speech illegal that, that quote, advocated the duty, necessity, or propriety of crime, sabotage, violence, or unlawful methods of terrorism as a means of accomplishing industrial or political reform, end quote. This was Ohio's criminal syndicalism statute. After appeals based on the First Amendment were rejected up the Ohio judicial system, the case went to the Supreme Court. The opinion of the court upheld Brandenburg's right to free speech without punishment by government unless that speech is, quote, directed to inciting or producing imminent lawless action and is likely to incite or produce such action, end quote. The operative qualifier in that statement is the word imminent. This opinion overturned several previous Supreme Court opinions, including Abrams v. United States of 1919, Gitlow v. New York of 1925, Whitney v. California of 1927, Dennis v. United States of 1951, and of course, Schneck v. United States of 1919. The overriding principle of Brandenburg v. Ohio was that the government couldn't punish, punish speech that was abstract in nature and its advocacy in violating the law or promotion of violence. This means that words like, please show me where it says protesters are supposed to be polite and peaceful. Destroying property which can be replaced is not violence nine historical triumphs to make you rethink property destruction. Why violent protests work. Why describing the George Floyd protests as riots is so loaded. Riots are destructive, dangerous, and scary, but can lead to serious social reforms. The whole point of protesting is to make people uncomfortable. In defense of looting, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere. Get in the face of some Congress people. Fight him and challenge him in every way that, you can, that we can. Punch him in the face. You have to be ready to take a punch and you have to be ready to throw a punch. You can't be civil without a political, with a political party that wants to destroy what you stand for. When they go low, we kick them and I'm gonna punch him out are all perfectly legal. But then, so are words like, the audience hit back. That's what we need to, a little bit more of. I'd like to punch him in the face, knock the crap out of them. Maybe he should have been roughed up. They will not be disrespected or treated unfairly in any way, shape or form. And we fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore, are also perfectly legal. So if anyone tells you that you can't shout fire in a crowded theater as a way of telling you it is illegal for you to question an election or any other narrative, you point them to this video to show them that not only are they getting that phrase wrong, 
but that phrase doesn't even apply to the U.S. statutes. If it can't apply to possibly violent rhetoric that is abstract, how can it possibly apply to less dangerous things than possible abstract violence? So if violent rhetoric that doesn't immediately lead to violence is legal based on the Brandenburg test, then is questioning election protected by, based on the Brandenburg test? Yes, unequivocally. There is no threat of imminent violence or crime based on doubting or questioning an election. That means that the government cannot punish me or you or any politician for doing so, meaning they can't prevent candidates from running while doubting previous elections. Carrie Lake and Ted Cruz and even Donald Trump are allowed to question elections until they are blue in the face and it cannot prevent them from running for office. So the government can't do anything about us questioning elections, but what can society do? What can big tech do? Well, that's a different story. As I've said on this show before, dating back even to the first episode, free speech isn't about the government. That's the First Amendment. And believing that the government is the only source that grants or guarantees our free speech is state theism. Narrowing the principle of fair speech to the barring of government interference is a mistake. The First Amendment was a limit on the government, which we need, but it has made many people believe that our free speech is only beholden to our government. That is not the case. Free speech is a right existent beyond our government. Governments are temporary and spatial. Rights are timeless and exist where humanity does. So a call to free speech within society and big tech is sorely needed and should, uh, and should be voiced at every opportunity. Those who believe we should not have it should be argued against. Companies that try to punish us for it, sorry, companies that try to punish us for it should be abandoned and fought against. Freedom does not exist if it only allows our choices someone else approves of. Freedom of speech means people will say incorrect things, hurtful things, hateful things, because it is not freedom if we do not allow people to do those things we find distasteful as long as those acts do not infringe on the rights of someone else, such as actual violence. Free speech means people will cast doubt on those institutions others take for granted, like elections, the press, the validity of science, the universities, and the entire governmental body. We should not silence those people ever because dissenting voices is how we notice problems and advance as a society. The principle of free speech is what allows a society to continue to exist. Without it, we will stagnate, we will denigrate, we will fall. One of my best friends once said that if you do not believe in the principle of free speech, then practice what you preach by shutting up. Start with yourself if you don't believe in free speech for others. This selfishness is how we lose rights. People believe their rights are protected since they travel the narrow path of what is acceptable. But those we give the ability to decide what is acceptable will narrow the path more and more if we give them an inch. Do not give anyone that power over us. No one deserves it and no one can be trusted with it. Let's see what's going on in chat. <laughs> Hello, everyone, by the way. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to me. Uh, Keith the Hat Guy, judicial activism 
Justices pretending they are legislators, writing laws, unconstitutional opinion that should have been ignored. Exactly. And it happens a lot. And then we have Supreme Court justices come along and do a new opinion that throws out five previous cases because they have nothing to do with the Constitution. Yes, I, I'm, Keith says, I was referring to the original SCOTUS opinion. Yes, the 1919 Schneck v. United States. I understood that. The dim side says it should be up to the theater, what rules they have for fire and everything else. It is somewhat absolutely necessary and in at times illegal not to shout fire if you believe there is a fire in a theater. Uh, there's a lot of Samaritan laws that require you to s interfere if you think something bad is about to happen. So in some instances, you absolutely have to shout fire. And if you are ringing the alarm bell, be authentically, you believe that there is a problem, you should be allowed to ring that alarm bell. And no one should punish you for ringing that alarm bell. Keith says, nice evergreen content. I'll use this episode for the silly shouting fire in a theater argument. That's exactly what I want you to use it for, Keith. I want everyone to use this. If someone tells you, if they throw that phrase in your face about shouting fire in a crowded theater, throw this video in their face. I, have, I, I mean, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I absolutely want you to. All right, so thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm gonna go over the shows for the rest of the week. This was kind of a short one, but I, I kind of, I had a very clear argument that I wanted to make about the, the idea of you can't shout fire. Someone literally said that to me in 2020 about uh, when I was talking about how wrong it was for big tech to censor information. Um, and he said that to me and I was like, how, like that is, not appropriate. <laughs> Too short, Alex. The people want more, says Stevie J. Do you know how it takes me a lot longer to write these than it does to, to do the live stream, honestly? And um, I, I wish it took me it took less prep time and I had more content. But I am I've got too many years of training to be concise when I write something. So it comes out being like very direct. All right. So let's go over the shows. For the rest of the week. Tomorrow is Rebel Civics. He, uh, Keith has the guest Senate candidate uh, Dennis Misigoy. I'm guessing there. Uh, if I got it wrong, I apologize. Um, so that will be tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. And then we have Dangerous Thoughts tomorrow at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. On Thursday, we have Token Minority Report at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We are talking about uh, Werewolf by Night, the Netflix Dahmer TV show, and Halloween Ends. On Friday, we have Occasional Levity with Lou Perez. I don't actually know who that is. Um, <laughs> I will meet him for the first time on Friday. And then Book Club is on Sunday, and it's Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. 
that's at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> and um, oh yeah, we are gonna we are gonna talk about Velocipastor the Velocipastor on Thursday because we forgot to talk about it last time, which was kind of funny. Um, he's a comedian. Oh yay, I love comedians. <laughs> All right, so uh, and book club is Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. If you could do this, do us a favor by liking and sharing and subscribing and becoming a member and maybe buy a t-shirt on the Unsafe Space uh, shop. Follow us on Rumble because we're going to get kicked off YouTube, especially if I keep talking like this. And we also have a Utreon. I'll, send, I'll give you guys that too. And also, if you could subscribe to my channel, I'd like it. <laughs> or uh, I don't do content like this, though. And, and buy my book, because I spent a long time on it, and I would like it if people would buy it. Uh, but thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I think that's everything. Let me make sure. I think I got all the links. I, yeah, I am ready to roll the credits. But again, thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate you taking the time to do so. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.